Welcome to the Carrier's Edge podcast. I'm Jane Jazrawi, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And you go. Oh, okay. I was waiting for you to say the number, but that's okay. Oh, episode 60. Now I can go. Hi there. I'm Mark Morrell, other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. Man, you're a creature rabbit. Oh, do I do that every time? <laughs> no, I get this waiting for the number and I didn't say it, so... Well, you made me think that maybe every time I do that same opening exactly the same way. Probably. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a long week, man. It has. It's been a while. It has. It's been a while since we had rest and sleep and a chance to recharge. and. But things. we have been uh, shot up with vaccination. Yes. Both of us. very excited. That's the news is yes. that we have both had dose one because we're old. and. Uh, but we're not that old. You got dose one because you're turning... 55. I wasn't so. going to say it, but you're hitting, you're turning a certain number this year. So I'm turning 40. So, yes. <laughs> so yeah, so I got it. I think I got it. And then you got it like a week later. Then actually the day that you got yours, uh, we found out that they were lowering the age. So you booked an appointment for me, which I greatly appreciate. Yes. As you said, it's like getting concert tickets or, or Hamilton tickets. Yeah. You have to sit there and wait for that slot to open and immediately jump on it. And you did. And so I went on Wednesday and got mine. I I can do those kind of things really well because as you know, and you know this, but nobody listening does, is when our kids were little, there weren't that many uh, swimming lessons to be had in the town of Newmarket. And if you wanted to get to public swimming lessons, then you had to get up at six in the morning on a Saturday and like, call i think it was when you called no you registered you over the, the phone no first you registered really? over the phone yeah so you, you'd be calling and registering over the phone and then they did it over the web hmm. or maybe i started getting up at six and doing it over the web because they would only have like 40 spots and for the entire town or something yeah. ridiculous like point, that i think they had closed one pool and there was another rec center under construction but it wasn't open yet yeah. so there was very limited there was like one public pool in town where they could do swimming lessons there were two had they did they close they, they closed, closed gorham and then they only had ray 20 yes yeah and so the magna ones hadn't been built yet correct yeah now there are swimming lessons yeah. everywhere for everybody but like back in the day of course when our kids were little yeah of course there's like one pool so. and yeah and it's the same thing with theater tickets now. It used to be that you had to camp out overnight in front of the ticket master or whatever in order yeah. to get the tickets that you wanted. Or I remember before Ticketmaster in Canada, it was Bass. Mm. Bass was the ticket outlet. Not to be confused with Bass Pro. It was just Bass. I remember that. I think it was an I acronym forgot. for something, but yeah, there was one never in town that. actually. They had an outlet. In the yeah. Sunrise Records. Uh, no, it was, it actually, it moved, they opened up, they started doing Ticketmaster stuff oh, later, okay. but no, Bass actually had something on Main Street. Uh, it was qu quite funny. It was tiny. But it was, they usually had them in the music stores. Yeah. In the record stores. You know, and line up there. Like Sam's. And get your tickets, line up and wait overnight. And now it's kind of the same thing when you're trying to get uh, theater tickets or you're trying to get a spot for a vaccine. Yeah. It's crazy. 
So in, in Ontario, in the hotspots, apparently they just have pop-up vaccination centers that people have to somehow know about and then line up at, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. I don't know why they're not booking. Yeah, it makes They must no be sense. doing both. They must be doing both somehow. I know, but why have pop-ups at yeah. all? Like, just figure it out. The vaccines aren't going anywhere. Yeah, just, you got arenas everywhere. You've got... Yeah, you've got the locations, you've got the staff, obviously, and you've got the vaccines. So why can't you schedule it properly? Well, they are doing that at Canada's Wonderland. Is that maybe for people who can't get on the internet or something? I think it's sad. Yeah. I think it's something like that, but it's very weird. Yeah, it's, yeah, well. So Anyway, we're very happy. Yes, I was not happy a couple of nights after because I started having side effects. Yeah, what we see are now described as vaccine hangovers. Yes, I had a vaccine hangover for sure. And you did nothing. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you don't get it. Like, so it was Wednesday that I had the shot and it's Friday now. So I've had my, yeah, I've had Wednesday night and Thursday night. So I'm, I'm 48 hours, so I would be fine. Yeah, I had, I had absolutely nothing as a side effect. The first night I, w- I think I just had a headache, which, you know, I was like, oh, it's a headache. Mm-hmm. And then the second night I was unhappy. <laughs> to put it mildly. I was unhappy. It was, it was weird because it, it wasn't like I felt sick. I just, I felt bad. Yeah. So I, my legs were hurting and I was kind of feeling slightly nauseous and I had this massive headache and just, ugh. and so. That is the appropriate sound effect to describe yeah. your feelings. So, yeah. And for anyone who hasn't gotten vaccinated, I don't care that I had one night of grossness. Um, I think still think everybody should get vaccinated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Get the shot when you can. Yeah. I've had so many vaccinations. I am like, I'm all mm-hmm. vaccinated up because when we travel, when you travel across the ocean to, uh, well, we travel, yeah, you're all, you're getting all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And you know, so my kids have had all of their stuff and all the extras and. Yeah. I remember when I. We might glow in the traveling. dark. Yeah. But, I had to get. Shots for dengue fever and yellow mm-hmm. fever and take the malaria pills with you and all of that stuff. Yeah, the dengue is coming back. Apparently there's all these diseases that are coming back because of uh, global warming and uh, just basically people not getting vaccinated and spreading and it's just spreading around through air travel and stuff like that. Hmm. I don't want to ever get any of those. I would much rather get a shot. Yeah. Much rather. Anyway... So that was not what we planned on talking about. But I just remembered that we got vaccinated and both of us got vaccinated. Now, the one thing is that I'm going to complain about is that you got an appointment for a second dose. And shoppers did not give me an appointment. But the sheet that I got from the Ministry of Health that has all my information on it does not have anything in that second dose field. Yeah. So I have it from, I have a Walmart appointment, but it doesn't say anything and the actual official government document. So I don't know if I really have an appointment or not. Yeah, my feeling is that when the second doses are available for people, they'll probably yeah. do it in the same order. Yep. They'll probably just, and then you'll just get a message at some point. Because mm-hmm. I did, I called shoppers to, to complain about it. And the lady on the other end of the phone was very apologetic and said, we know nothing. So that makes me think that no one knows anything. If shoppers doesn't know, then no one's going to know. And they're just making up appointments and hoping that yeah. there will be something to shoot you up with. 
in the yeah. meantime. I may get a flu shot. Who knows? <laughs> or just a saline injection. <laughs> I'm going there and getting a needle. They Cough didn't say medicine. I'm getting a COVID shot. <laughs> so it'll be cool when the kids can get vaccinated too. Yeah. Bit by bit. We're yep. making Bit progress. by bit. So on to more positive things. Well, I guess getting that the shot positive. is. Yeah, the shot is positive. The side effects and headaches of scheduling it are not positive, but we this week just finished with the annual, what is now the annual Collision Conference, right? giant tech conference. And yeah, we're starting to really understand why it's called Collision because it is just a mountain of information all coming at you at the same time in all kinds of different areas and such an onslaught of it. They could almost call it like fire hose Yes, it is the Firehose Conference. It is a firehose of information about technology and, but more broadly about the impact of technology on cities, environmental issues, pure technology. This year, a lot of stuff on AI. They have a whole section on the impact on society, on auto tech, healthcare, like every different segment. So you have tons of things that you can focus on. And it's a three-day conference. It was in Toronto the last two years. It's been virtual. Next year, they're aiming to be back in person and probably will be able to. But all of the sessions are fairly short. So it might be a 25-minute session. Some of them are even 10 minutes or less. So because of that, there's a lot of different sessions. And they have like six different streams happening. So you've got 15, 20-minute sessions across five or six different streams. There's like hundreds of total sessions there. So you can go to so many different sessions over the course of the three I don't days. Know, hundreds, maybe two hundred. I think there's over, yeah, there's over two hundred sessions. But you can go. What's weird is that how many of us went? We were like twelve people went, and very rarely are you at the same session. Yeah, yeah. There's so many different things happening in different focus areas. There's some pure tech stuff that the uh, platform development team was focusing on some things that are more kind of marketing or social issues and things that some of the content people went to and everybody sort of split up different areas. So lots of things to pay attention to. And I noticed I was taking notes on them and I finally counted it up when we were in another meeting today. I had notes on 39 different sessions over three days. I kind of think you're just bragging. Well, it, it was a, a realization for me that, oh, that's why I can't remember all of these sessions that I went to because there's so many of them. And I know there's a bunch of sessions I didn't take notes in that I just went there kind of for entertainment or was curiosity or wasn't something, or there's some of them that I I didn't really get that much out of and I sort of ducked out of them. But that's a lot of different sessions. So compare that to other events. You go to a two-day conference, you may have six sessions in total, or if you have a really busy one, you might go to like eight sessions. But yeah, this is three or four times as many and And you get a lot out of them too. And the thing is with collision is that it was virtual. So it was easy to flip between session to session. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, those sessions are the same in real life. Yeah. Like I think there's maybe 10 minutes between sessions or something like there are, there's more time built in than that is virtually, but you are literally running from place to place. If you want to go to sessions that are, across the exhibit floor and the exhibit floor is absolutely huge. Yeah. I mean, if you've been to truck world, I think that it is comparable to running, you know, from yeah. one end of hall one or to the other. Yeah. It's like yeah. Going from one end of the hall to another. 
And so you're trying to not only that, but everybody's at these sessions and so it's crowded and you're trying to dodge between people and everybody's sort of walking at the different paces and it's great. It's craziness. Which, and it'll be awesome next year after a year and a half of not doing any of that. Yeah, for one day, and then I'll be tired of it. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. then I'll be like, and then I'll be moaning about how much I hate it. I don't like crowds terribly much. It'll be new and different to have a crowd around me a little bit, but mm-hmm. in general, I avoid. Yeah, I just avoid it because I don't like it. But I can handle. I can handle it. Well, it is interesting, the themes that emerge. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that uh, as we start comparing notes, as, as you said, that we, we often were in different sessions. And so what we've done is tell people to start putting together your kind of top 10 things or stuff you learned, your high points of it, and share those so that we can learn from each other, but also get it to the people who didn't attend. Maybe they want to read some of this stuff too. And there is a very interesting kind of uh, overlap or themes that pop up. And one of them that came up this year that I started noticing a lot of people using the word. And then I saw it in some of the notes that other people put in. And that is all of these companies that for now a year have been working remotely and have been remote workplaces or remote with a little bit of hybrid workplace. They're all talking about how do we maintain the serendipity that happens oh, when, serendipity. You're, when you're just running into people in the hallways and just bumping into them that for ideas? The magic of just seeing someone and automatically having a brilliant idea. And it's like, you know what that is? My opinion is that there's a bunch of people who are very extroverted, who miss having people around, yeah. who like going in and out of each other's offices just to shoot the breeze and they are now assigning a value to that, which everybody must also assign. And it's like, you can have serendipity without being in person. Yes. That water cooler chat, you have a virtual version of the water cooler chat if you have a good virtual setup. If you have a crappy virtual setup, then yeah, I can see people missing it. Or if that's what you depended on, you know, that's what your life was about, then yeah, I can see you missing it. But it is not a virtue. It no. is not it is not something that I think should be, you know, hallowed above all else. Well, what was funny is they did acknowledge that companies that have been remote for years have already addressed this issue. So like I'm in some of these sessions and I'm like, yeah, this is not a problem for I us. Know. It is a problem for you, but you know, not really an issue for us. And I'm also recognizing that the people that are talking about it and that specific word was used in probably five different sessions I was in, but the sessions are including speakers that are kind of the top people in Silicon Valley tech companies and they're rich guys. So it was like the founder of Twitter and uh, the CEO of uh, PayPal and people like that. So these are big organizations. These are very successful people. They're also people that are, uh, situated in Silicon Valley and can afford to actually live in Silicon Valley very close to where their office is because it's crazy expensive to live in Silicon Valley right now and most of the workers in these companies can't afford to live very close there. So this let's get it, everybody back into the office so we can wander around and hang out and uh, chit-chat about stuff and stumble onto ideas. Well, that's great for the owner who lives two blocks away 
not so great for the person who's got an hour and a half commute to get there and is stressing about their cost of living and all of these other things. So that person is probably pretty happy as much as they might miss some of the social elements. They're probably pretty happy to be at home and not having that commute and not having the company founder wander around and sabotaging them while they're trying to work. <laughs> so I didn't have a lot of sympathy for them, but I did find that very interesting. Well, Last year, it was, it, what I didn't like was the fact that it was a value. It was something oh, that, yeah, that you should, it. yeah. And it's like, we've lost this. We need it back. And it's like, no, no you've you lost it. Yeah. We haven't. But they were talking about it like it was a, it was everybody. Yeah. It was everybody is bemoaning this loss of serendipity, which yeah. is I'm putting in quotes in my head because I want to throw Here up. Here are the quotes in that statement. Yeah. And I think this is my issue with collision is that I am very um, energized by it and I get a lot of ideas from it, but I also despise things about it. <laughs> and that is one of the things I despise where you know, a bunch of white men who are very rich and very separated from the rest of society start talking about what is correct, what is good, what is valuable. And it is not. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea of Bitcoin as this great value proposition is like, no, not for everybody. You know, Bitcoin has to sort itself out. Yeah. And maybe it will then be something that the world can use. But right now it is for rich white guys. Well, at the first session I went to was a, a Q&A session with a, with a leading sort of uh, internet security people. And that was one of the questions was about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. And uh, yeah, he said it's complete, complete garbage, basically. It has just, he was talking about it. He got into it after a discussion about cyber, um, cyber crime and ransomware and uh, security issues through that. And he said, uh, Bitpo- Bitcoin has been great for the criminal industry because it has made it very easy for criminal organizations to get rich doing hacking. And so he didn't come out and say it exactly, but he was very directly drawing a connection between the rise of Bitcoin and the rise in ransomware cyber attacks. Because before that, before Bitcoin, it was really difficult for any of these cyber criminals to actually get paid. Now it's super easy. They can just make you pay their ransom in Bitcoin, which is not trackable and they can use it much more anonymously. So that was a really interesting point that he just said Bitcoin. He said it's a, he basically said it's a solution looking for a problem that it's an elegant computer science solution or elegant solution to a computer science problem that doesn't really exist in the real world. And trying to, the way that Silicon Valley has tried to basically impose Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Or blockchain in general. Yeah, like, you know, find us find us a solution first. Don't try and, don't have the solution, don't have it as a solution that you're trying to find a problem for or mm-hmm. create a problem for. That's the other thing that they yeah. do is they create problems that don't exist or they create unintended consequences that never existed before. So if you go back to Facebook and that technology and the fact that uh, no, there's been absolutely no boundaries set for those social, giant social media companies, they've just run amok. And look at the unintended consequences. Yeah. Like it is absolutely insane what the lack of um, self-regulation or outward regulation has really caused. And so I'm going to all these sessions that are talking about the repercussions of it. 
now yeah. because I'm going to more of the social ones and the marketing ones and the, you know, what do you do when you've been canceled? Mm-hmm. Well, canceled never used to be a thing. Uh, so now this is a thing that anybody who has a brand that they want to um, try to promote on Facebook or other social media is dealing with. And then you also have, and this was a great session, is um, Jamila Jamil, mm-hmm. who has a, a has a body a body image organization called Iway, and it's about how society really destroys women's view, like versions of themselves and men too. But with women, it's way more targeted and all of the consequences of that. And she was, you remember her quotes better than I do, or is that instead of- Yeah, most of of them are not fit for a broadcast. But instead of going out, so that's happened for years and years and years. And when I was a little, like when she, she was talking about when she was a girl, and I remember when I was a girl, you're fed this garbage about how you should look from- from birth, basically, but you get to buy, you know, all the magazines that you buy are all oh, about that was good. Yeah. beauty. And we used to have to go and, and buy the toxicity. Yeah. I'd have to save up the three quid to go and buy our monthly edition of self-loathing. And now you now can it get comes it directly to us through our phones. Yeah. And it's true. It's like, you can't even escape it, but yet there's no, there's absolutely no boundaries. There's no, no one seems to care. It's, it's okay. Well, what's nice about it is people are actually starting to talk about that, starting to talk about boundaries and self-regulation and what to do about it. And that was one session. There was other ones about can tech regain trust. There was ones about, um, I think might've been the tech regaining trust where they talked about the idea of tech companies needing to have kind of boundaries like the legal profession does mm-hmm. where you have to pass the bar. Well, that's kind of self-regulation of lawyers and, and tech companies an ethics, do that too. Like if you break your mm-hmm. ethics yeah. rules, then they can disbar you yeah. so you can't practice. And there was something else in that same session where they were talking about um, how if the social media companies want to regulate something, then they will. Because mm-hmm. if they, you know, when they wanted to not show any porn on, like when they wanted yeah. to make sure that they weren't, you know, Pornhub or anything like that, then any nipple anywhere, no matter in what context it was, did not get posted. Yeah, when they want to do it, they can. Yeah. And so it's really just a, you know, they could get rid of every single bit of hate speech. They could get rid of every single... um you know, people who are posting misinformation, you, they could do that. They're not. They are. And they're giving us a story yeah. about how they don't. Have well, and that to. was one of the uh, suggestions is why aren't they doing it? And obviously they don't know, have to. Well, it's too profitable. That's right. You know. And that's what and that's what's kind of cool about this is that or about collision is that they bring up all these ideas and then your head goes into, mm-hmm. you know, into five other things that you can think about in terms of the same idea. And it just gives you words for it. Like that whole serendipity thing. Mm-hmm. That's now a word that I can a- attach to that. Those people who are longing for, you know, having someone. Ac- yeah. yeah. And, or that idea that is magically going to happen just because people mm-hmm. are there in the same room. Well, there was one session that I went to uh, where one of the points actually underscored um, what I talked about in my most recent LinkedIn article where I had been talking about 
um, the problem with measuring data and what happens when you start measuring certain numbers and the unintended consequences. And this was a Q&A session with Biz Stone, who is a co-founder of Twitter. And one of the questions was, what would you do differently if you were creating it now, if you're creating Twitter now today? And his answer was that he would look... I. I thought he was going to have a bunch of different answers, but his answer was that he would look uh, much more closely at the kind of numbers that they're promoting, the kind of numbers that they highlight, because they didn't put a lot of thought into that. And the unintended consequence there has been way too much focus on likes and followers and things that aren't necessarily great measurements of um, a useful conversation. Their initial... Uh, objective, what they were trying to do is to facilitate a global conversation among people. And what they ended up doing is creating this world where everybody's focused on followers and likes and shares and all that other stuff. And he said, if they were doing it again, they wouldn't do that. They would focus on something else about measuring meaningful conversations or engagement in a way that's much more positive. You know, So this is a great example of a bunch of sort of white guys that all have the same background, the same worldview. They come into this thing they don't consider what some of the other uses might be or some of the alternative approaches might be, and they just do it one way. And then, oh, that's a problem. And now we're stuck with the mess that is some of these systems. Which is basically been caused by a small group of men who created these giant systems and are sitting on top of them, getting rich and refusing to budge, which is I say that as a white man who's roughly the same age as many of them. <laughs> but those guys are the problem, not me. I was in a, well, that's kind of the theme, right? Is unintended consequences. That, there was actually, a lot of that. Yes, that was another theme that emerged and what people referred to as second order consequences or third order consequences, that things that happened that you weren't expecting, but only happened because this one thing was enabled. So and this was one of the, uh, the, uh, the sessions that I went to. I think it was that session on this company building a new supersonic jet. And they talked about all the things that are enabled by the previous jet age that things like, for instance, Hawaii was never a tourist destination before because with a prop plane, you're not going there. Or the fact that sort of globalism couldn't happen and all of the things that have sort of happened uh, in globalism or ideas that have permeated the globe because of the ability to quickly get from one place to another. And they're talking about, those are all examples of second order consequences. And one example, a fairly famous one, uh, is that the founder of Nike had decided to take a trip to Japan after graduating from university and was able to do that on a jet reasonably. And while there discovered this sort of sneaker culture that they had that was unknown in the West at the time, came back, founded Nike and sort of Bob's your uncle. Yeah. The history from there uh, about all of the, the footwear that people, uh, all the shoes that we wear as a result enabled by the jet age. So they were talking about with this new supersonic jet that they're building, what's going to happen if all of a sudden it's not, you can get there in a day, but you can get there and get back the same day. What does that do for the world? And there's talk. I don't think anything good. (laughs) Well, there will be some good and definitely some bad, uh, but you know, people had talked about it a year or two ago with 5g, you know, what's going to happen with 5g and what is that going to enable? And unfortunately they're still talking about what is 5g, 5g going to enable because it's not here yet. 
Um, I did go to one session on 5G and it turned out to just be a pilot project at the University of Connecticut. One of the things, um, the unintended consequences and travel that and globalization has been, um, I went to a session and I can't remember what it was called, but Bo Derek was in it. So I kind of didn't really want to go There's to it. There's a name it. I haven't heard I in know, a couple decades. I know, it's so bizarre. I was like, well, what's You're Bo still Derek? alive, eh? <laughs> she still looks she, fine. She looks well, I'm good. just thinking, didn't 2016 like claim her with all of the no, other celebrities? Don't, be, but, don't say that. Um, so she's working, is she, is she was there because she basically is, is the face of this because the guy who, she's partnering with this guy who actually does a lot of the work and she's just helping to promote it because she has a name and a face, so which is, I, you know, hey, works, works for me. So uh, the, what he was talking about is all of this ability to travel and, and, um, and buy things from and globalization and things like that. It's also promoting the uh, proliferation of viruses around the world. Yeah. So disease is actually making its way around the world way more than it would because of uh, the air travel and the, you know, people just going from one place to the other. And also people who are trying to um, make a decent living or trying to take advantage of things. So deforestation is happening. And with deforestation, you have animals and humans coming into contact in ways that they never have before. And now we have new diseases, which is basically why you're getting strange diseases now that we have no um, immunity to, because all of the diseases that we were that we have immunity to, like the common cold and all of the flu and all of that stuff, we got immunity to those because we were it was introduced to us with cows and horses mm-hmm. yonks ago. And we're good with that now. Now there's the new ones. But this is... Yonks is a unit yonks. of measure? It is. Yonks. It's very British. It's yonks. Um, a lot. Okay. Um, so I found that really interesting that, and it's also this, um, and people are not being educated about the issues with exotic food. So there's a lot of this, you know, oh, I want to have shark fin soup, or I want to have, I want to eat this crazy um type of animal that uh what's the the pan pangolin pangolin yeah like people eating pangolins and they really shouldn't be um because they're not like people who are native to that country are like no don't do that but you know foreigners are like it's a pangolin i gotta eat it and so there's this stupid behavior because people aren't educated they don't know no one Mm. knows and then people are just trying to make money off of it so this is how disease is spreading and he was saying that um once you educate people, like so for shark fin soup, um, and it was actually, it, it wasn't, it, people thought that, what they were saying, that people thought that they were eating the fins of sharks that died naturally. <laughs> yeah. Fools. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't sure realize that people are just lopping off shark fins and like leaving the rest of the shark to just sort of die. And once they understood the cruelty and the craziness that was going, it, it basically stopped the entire market for mm. shark uh, shark fin soup. Oh, good. Interesting. So I thought that. And what is really interesting is that I got something out of that that has to do with my job, but had nothing to do with the content of it the content of the session. And what was that that you got that's related to your job? It's the importance of education 
when you when you have a problem, it's not about policing the problem necessarily. It's about educating people before the problem starts. And letting or, them know why it matters. Yeah, and letting people know the consequences of their actions. Now that is a fabulous transition into work. That was a beautiful turn there. Thank you. Thank you. We'll just stop and admire that week. for a minute. <laughs> Tip your waitress. Yes. But no, that is excellent. And that is exactly right. But isn't that true for you? Like you have all kinds of ideas and I have a lot of marketing ideas, but also best fleets ideas, mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion index ideas. Well, that's actually one of the things that we were just talking about before this started. One of the sessions that you went to, and I think was a time's up session. And they're talking mm-hmm. about sort of workplace harassment, which made perfect sense in the context of us opening the diversity and inclusion index in another month. Uh, but um, that whole discussion of what to do in the workplace and how to minimize the issues and things like that. And I'm sure you'll write some articles about it, but one of the things that you quoted in your summary that I thought was very interesting is don't rely on policies. Don't let your policies get lazy or just don't have lazy policies where you just figure that you've got a policy and that's good enough. And I thought, well, that applies to this, that particular issue of harassment and equity in the workplace, but also that is exactly the same thing that we've been talking about on the safety side for years is saying that you have a policy doesn't change anything or lazy policies. And, and you talk about um, sometimes it's bad behavior and sometimes it's just a stupid mistake. Yes. And a lazy policy treats both of them the same. Exactly. So if you have zero tolerance, so I, mm-hmm. I've heard people say, oh, we have zero tolerance for harassment. We have zero tolerance for cell phone usage. Yep. We have zero tolerance for, I don't know, you know insert behavior here. Yeah. Aggressive and, driving. Yeah. You have to look at it in context. You can't say that, you know, someone who you know, just said something stupid is the same thing as someone who's a predator. Mm-hmm. And you can't say that someone who, you know, turned right on a red in Montreal by mistake because they didn't know yeah. is the same thing as someone who's speeding through red lights. Altogether. Or somebody who checks their phone occasionally because their wife is about to go in labor. Yeah. It's the same as somebody who is a, a serial abuser of their cell phone or while driving. podcasting while they're driving. Yeah. Right? You know. Yeah. And I, and I thought that was really good because a lot of people say during Best Fleets is they have zero tolerance for this or that. Yeah. And I don't, think it's, I don't think it's helpful because there is a lot of gray area. Yeah, and they say it often as sort of a uh, kind of a, a badge of honor. That's, they're trying to put their best foot forward and that's one of the ways they're doing it is saying, well, you don't tolerate that at all. But, but it actually doesn't help them. What a better Paul and what they were talking about in the session, which and I wasn't really all that interested in going to this session. I kind of ended up in it because there was another session I didn't really like. And I was like, OK, I'll go to this one and see what they're going to talk about. And I thought it was going to be a big sob story about somebody who, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it was actually more about what to do in the workplace. Mm. And um, one of the things that they were talking about is that specifically for sexual harassment, but I think we could talk about safety in these terms as well, is that there's a lot of behavior that is not sexual harassment, but that it does contribute Mm. to a culture where sexual harassment can occur. So if you don't want to have harassment, then you have to look at all of these other behaviors that are the things that people let slide. Mm. That's interesting, the things that people let slide. So let's turn that around to safety for a minute because I think you've opened up a really interesting subject. The things that people let slide that contribute to a culture where 
bad safety happens. Or people are taking risks that they shouldn't, that they should know better. Engaging in behavior that is ultimately going to lead to problems. Now that, I guess the easy answer there is to go back to that ATRI study from years ago that the people have that this violation are 200% more likely to have this other problem later. But that's the simple, easy side of it. It's all of those little things that you don't necessarily think much about that bit by bit suggest that it's okay to engage in this risky behavior. So in that case, you were talking about a session where I think they mentioned lack of pay equity is one of those things that subtly underscores that it's okay to harass people because some people are less valued than others. And I'm sure in the safety world, there are lots of things where, you know, we let that slide. It's okay. Or... Somebody, there are, there are some people where they let it slide, and but not everybody. Really yeah. So that it's will. A, yeah. You know, we shouldn't be doing that, but you know, they, uh, they get a lot of miles in there. Yeah. They're a very productive driver. And they're a great guy. You know, I've known them for ages yeah, and yeah. you know, we go way back. So we'll just, we'll let it, because what'll happen is that it's not necessarily one person's safety. It'll be the rules don't apply to everybody equally. And that's what happens in a sexual harassment and like a place where you have a toxic environment and sexual harassment can occur, but it also will be where people think the rules don't matter. That's interesting because that ties back to um, court cases and some sessions I've heard with lawyers because a lot of times people think that this sort of zero tolerance policy is their protection if they end up in court, that's their protection. Test to 100. Yeah. Got to have yeah, perfect on the test and yeah, zero tolerance for distracted driving. And they think that's going to save them if they end up in court. Uh, and, and that's why they sort of camp out on these, these absolutes. But every session I've been to with a lawyer talking about preventing nuclear verdicts and protecting yourself in court, they always say that those policies don't help. What actually helps better is a more refined process. And looking at it within the context and solving the problem um, uniformly rather than setting up something where you can very easily say, well, it's a zero tolerance policy, but this guy is a, he's a good guy. He's yeah. been around for a long time. If you, if yeah, you have screwed. a policy you're that dead. doesn't actually, that you're not actually following, then yeah, you're screwed. And it's the same thing if you get sued for sexual harassment. If you have a policy where someone has had complaints made against them, and actually this kind of goes with current events uh, with the George Floyd issue. Apparently, the the person who's just been convicted... The murdering cop. The murdering cop, well, you know. He's convicted now, I can say that. He's convicted, and apparently there were like 20 plus complaints again yeah. against him for overuse of force. And it was like, eh, no, we're going to let it slide. We're going to so, let it slide for whatever reason. I don't know why. That's a case I, where, you know, flip that into a similar situation in court with a trucking company, there's a nuclear verdict for sure. Oh, yeah. And well deserved. You know, not all nuclear verdicts are evil and terrible. They may be painful for the company, but in many cases, stuff like that happens and they have it coming. And it's, and it's really this, that whole, you have no diversity of thinking, right? There's no one out. You have a bunch of people who are all the same making the same decision and thinking that, and this is, this is something that has been scientifically proven where you let it slide for people who are like you. Oh yeah. So if everybody looks the same and you have no diversity, so there's, you know, a bunch of, bunch of men and there's no women 
and you're going to let behavior slide if it's just a group of men uh, assessing another man's behavior. If you have two or three women in that group, they're gonna, it's going to be assessed much differently. Mm-hmm. Behavior is going to be definitely assessed much differently. And women assess things differently than men do mm-hmm. just because of, you know, social being social socialized into a different world. So there you go. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> you didn't know if I was finished yet. I know I was having a lot of, uh, uh, uh. No, I had like a whole pile of things uh, that sort of collision related thoughts on things. And all of a sudden they just left my head. Oh, okay. Just trying to think of it. Uh, How about those blue jays? Right? I know. Oh, don't say that. Cause now I'm really, <laughs> now I'm really distracted. There was a lot of good sessions at collision. Uh, many that directly relate to the work that we do, many that indirectly relate and will push us to come up with ideas and things and some that don't relate to anything and we're just enjoyable. So we were talking about problem solving. Yes. Cause that kind of led into, um, our discussion about lazy policies and things you made a comment and I don't even know how you made the connection in your head, but you made that connection that you feel like you're just making problem solving and making sure that things don't fall through gaps. Things don't fall through the gap. It seems to be, you know, fall all through the cracks. Yeah. Fall through the cracks. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and and I guess that sort of comes out of having those lazy policies. Making sure you don't have that is uh, being sort of proactive in identifying where there's potential problems and solving those. And we often talk about the importance of addressing things proactively. Don't wait wait for a problem. Don't wait for a driver to hit something to decide that they need training. You know, proactively get that training out there to them. That's my attempt to connect but it's it to not, work. It's not just training. I think that everybody goes, oh, training, we yeah. need training, we need training. Absolutely. But it's not just that. It's communi- daily communication. Intervention. Yeah. yeah, and it's intervention when small problems start becoming larger right. ones. So when you see a, see a problem emerge, most of the time everybody can see it. Everybody sees that someone made a mistake or whatever. That is not necessarily the time to intervene. The time to intervene is when problem happens a couple of times. Problem mm-hmm. happens four times. It's the same problem and you're kind of, but it's still really small. And the, and what you, problem solving is when you can change something so that that particular issue doesn't happen again. Because if you don't, if you don't change something soon enough, it gets, gets to be a bigger problem. Yeah. Well, that kind of, Reminds me of that uh, famous quote from Ted Demings about uh, quality management, that every process is perfectly designed to create the output that it does. So if you're not happy with the output, you have to change the process. Yeah. And it's not necessarily that you're going to punish someone or um, what's the word? Um, Discipline them. Discipline them or anything. It may not even be the person. It may be the process. but. Yep a correction needs to happen and it doesn't need to be a, you know, something negative. It can just be a, you know what, this isn't working. So we're going to try this. And I've done that. um, Definitely have done that in my team because I had no idea how, like when I, when I increased my team, like 400%, I had a lot of people working together and some of the, and a lot of those jobs were all in my head all together. Mm-hmm. So how do I now separate all those jobs with different people and how do they communicate together? And that was a, um, so basically at the beginning I said, let's see how this goes. 
And then after a project was, the first project was done, it was like, okay, well, how did, what do you think? What do you want to change? And tons of, tons of little things got changed. And now we're seeing what happens again. And once we finish another project, it'll be okay. What went well, what didn't go well. And you can do that. Like you can sort of keep an eye on the things that you need to correct. And then st- and when you get to a certain number of things, then you have enough for a process because everything is always boiled down to a process. Absolutely. Well, and I liked your analogy of making sure things don't fall through the cracks because there's oh, a couple of things. I was complaining. I was complaining about, I don't want to be the one always making sure that things don't fall through the cracks. But what it uh, sort of wraps around is the idea that you are watching the things that are already in the process of falling through the cracks and stopping it and identifying the things that are on the edge and about to start. Now they're right on the edge and they're about to fall off, but also understanding where those cracks are, which sometimes it's hard to see where those things are. Yeah. If you're in it. So I, I often have a good um, viewpoint from away because I'm not involved in a lot of the actual day-to-day creation of things anymore. So when I sort of come in and look at it and go, wait a minute, what, what's going on here? I can, I can do that. I can say, I think there's a problem here. And when you're in it, and that's the really important part about problem solving is that you do need that, not even um, a third party or someone else who's not in the middle of it, mm-hmm. in the middle of you know, you're not doing this. I'm not doing this. You know, things are problems. Oh my God, what are we going to do? It's all just good. You need someone else to come in and go, okay, what's, you know, tell me what it is. And then remind people of the resources that they have. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely easier when you can get some fresh eyes in to look at it. Especially when the fresh eyes have been at collision all week. (laughs) Yeah. Their brains are fried anyway. So. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what we do because we don't deal with the same departments day to day. And we when we are constantly telling each other what's going on with the department. So we end up being that person for each other because, you know, I don't you know, I don't know much about platform. You don't know about much about content day to day. So we ha- we can exchange those problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So lesson is to invite someone into your team meeting and. And that's actually something that we've started doing is working on cross pollinating our department meetings, having other departments come and join so that we can get some of that serendipity. Yes. Because that's what's really been missing. (laughs) How to increase the serendipity. That's now going to become a meme for us. Serendipity? Yeah. Yeah. It'll become a joke. We need like those demotivational posters. Yeah. Well, we used to have. Many years ago, physical office space for a brief period, we had a wall of shame where we would post anything that was written like with ridiculous consultant speak or you get a resume. Sometimes we would get resumes from people and there's more letters after their name than in their name. And then you look at it and most of those letters are garbage anyway. (laughs) It's like one course that they took uh, that they was like some self-study thing and they threw letters after their name because of it. So we used to mock up all of that stuff. And now we kind of have a virtual wall of shame and serendipity is going up on that. Yeah, I think so. Up there with reigniting the human spirit. Yeah, that one will never die, reigniting uh, the human spirit. That was a tagline for an e-learning company that, and that we that knew I, years ago. I did some work for. Yeah. And I it just was like, 
you just have to just throw up a little embed in your mouth. Well, what was the saddest about that is that their business was doing e-learning for retail. So they're acknowledging that the retail field, retail people are crushing the human spirit <laughs> of their workers. <laughs> but yet we're going to reignite that with a fire safety course or a, a course on how to stock the shelves. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a lofty goal, but when you apply it to retail e-learning, yeah. Yeah, yeah teenagers I working hourly. I need to learn about this stove really quick. Yeah. Yeah, that's not reigniting much of anything. Oh, uh, yeah. All right, so for the last segment here, let's talk quickly about what's coming up. I don't know. Uh, I think... Uh, it's what, Friday, man. I need, I, to, I need to have a weekend. I made a quick reference to it earlier, but we are getting to the point where we're going to be soon opening up the Diversity and Inclusion Index. So I think next uh, episode of this podcast will be just about to launch it and we'll probably talk more about it then, but uh, we can start sort of reminding people that it exists and it's going to open for applications. Uh, as it happens, June 1st this year, the, um, the ongoing schedule is going to be the Tuesday after Memorial Day, uh, which gives us a nice landmark holiday to build off of. But this year... Memorial Day is May 31st, so the day after that is June 1st. So we'll be opening for applications because you can nominate your own company or nominate yeah, yourself Yeah, you don't need to be one. nominated. You apply for it. And it's going to be um, a somewhat similar process to Best Fleets where you do your application. You do your application. There are some employee surveys, and then we score everything. And uh, then the awards will not be a top 20. We don't know what the awards are going to be. We don't know how and what we're going we to score. Know. We don't And the thing is, when we did the questionnaire, because diversity is so many different things. It's, it's very diverse. Well, diversity is diverse. It is. But it's so many, like there's so many different types of people. So you can look at ethnic diversity, um, ability diversity, religious diversity. Um, Gender. Oh, gender. Yeah. And, but there's all kinds of it. And I'm sure I'm forgetting LGBTQ, TQ, um, all of these different groups who are kind of marginalized in, in the workforce and how, you know, how companies are kind of helping, helping those people succeed in, in their company. So we have all these questions that I think that most people will not be able to answer all of them. Like Nobody will be able to answer all of them or nobody will have a great answer for all of them. Because yeah. what I've learned is that you, if you have great gender diversity, you probably don't have great ethnic diversity. It's hard to focus on more than one diversity. Like it's, it's, it's difficult. So you're going to have to do it gradually. So we're expecting that people may be a bit daunted, but we have to capture everything. Yeah. And so our questions are designed to capture everything, not, so that you are expected to have an answer for everything. Yeah. We don't even know what the answers are going to be, which is part of the excitement about this. Yeah, we have to look under every rock, but we don't expect to find something under every rock. Everybody will have something under some different rocks, and we're turning over all of them. And as a result, that questionnaire looks kind of intimidating in the beginning. So we will definitely be making it clear that you should not worry if you don't have a great answer to all of these because nobody does. And I think that's why we're not doing a top 20. Yes. Because we're not going to be able to. It's, it's, it's not fair. 
it's, you know, some companies are going to have an advantage in certain areas. Some other companies are going to have, it's going to be geography. So are yeah. you geographically located next to a huge ethnic community that you can, you know, that's easily integrated into your company? Okay, well, great. But, but also it's going to be highly uh, measured by effort. Yes. So that if you happen to be in a very multicultural place as we are, and you're not doing anything to accommodate or support those people, you're not going to do as well as somebody who may have less diversity, but is making more effort. And uh, as far as the awards, yes, we know that people are going to be stronger in some areas than others. And part of the objective is to have success stories to share in a lot of different ways. So just throwing out a top 20 kind of makes that difficult. That's one of the things that's a bit of a challenge on the best fleet sometimes is identifying what makes these companies great. And, you know, this person is doing something really amazing here, but these other people that didn't make the top 20 may be also great in those areas. And it might be nicer if we could talk about that within context of different buckets rather than just a top 10 or a top 20. So I think we'll have a better approach here with this one. And we also know way more about the best fleets. Like we know there are certain buckets that if you can succeed with a certain amount or certain programs that do certain things across the company, then you're going to do much better. Yeah. And we know what things those, we know what places those are in. So if you have a strong safety program, if you have a strong, um, you know, diversity program, if you have a strong um, way of getting feedback for drivers, if you listen to feedback and you, uh, give people what they want, then all of those things are like the building blocks to great, to a really good place for drivers to work. With diversity and inclusion, I don't even know. I don't yeah. even know how much there is out there. And that's the thing. Nobody has really done very much work on what we have now. Yeah, what's actually out there. So this is going to be a very interesting project. Yeah, and very I interesting. We'll probably talk more about it on the next episode of this because it'll be just about to open at that time. Uh, but there's a... A, uh, we'll be a doing a webinars. Teaser. Yeah. yeah. A bit of an uh, overview and uh, idea of what's coming. So I think we can wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Now we've talked a lot. And uh, go to Collision next year, everybody. Yes, you should go to Collision. You'd think that has nothing to do with you, but it, yet it does. That should be their tagline. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, okay. Have a good day, everybody. Bye.